Welcome to the O'Reilly Security Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Allen. This week, I speak with Dave Lewis, Global Security Advocate for Akamai. We'll be talking about how security debt is compounded by technical sprawl and employee churn, the tenacity of solvable security problems, and innovation's tendency to reintroduce previously resolved vulnerabilities. Enjoy the show. Hi, Dave. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about why organizations are still struggling with solvable security problems. This is a good thing. This is a conversation that needs to be had. Over and over and over again, right? What's the uh, definition of insanity again? (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we start by talking a bit about your current role? Your title is Global Security Advocate for Akamai. Can you explain what that role might be and give us a brief overview of your security experience? Sure. Well, the role that I have is very much an unconventional role in that I get to talk about security issues um, across the board and in all sorts of different mediums, be it in talking to folks at conferences around the world or podcasts like this or in you know writing for various publications. And it is really interesting that I get to do it in this sort of way because I get to talk about things just like this, where we're talking about solvable problems, things that we have known about forever and just keep doing Eh, less than exemplary job of it. And before I came to this role, I spent about 20 years in the trenches doing everything from being a firewall admin to being an acting CISO. And my running joke is I have plenty of scar tissue to prove it, but it's not too far off the truth. So your role at Akamai puts you in a unique position. And I know you don't love the world holistically, but you do get to reflect (laughs) on the industry from probably a more holistic approach than someone who's entrenched in those everyday tasks you were just talking about. How would you, from this larger perspective, describe the current state of security? Well, it's really funny because, you know, 20 years ago when I started doing this, or 20 plus years ago, we had pretty much a defined set of things that we had to deal with on a continuous basis. And as we spin up into all different things, you know, cloud computing and all the rest of it, we have taken what were a core set of things that we had to worry about and, you know, multiplied that plus, plus, plus. So things that we should have been doing well. 20 years ago, like patching, asset management, things to that effect, have really gotten far worse at this point in that we have grown our security debt to unmanageable levels in a lot of cases. So we've increased complexity on problems that we hadn't even solved 20 years ago. Right, exactly. And it's not even a case of the complexity. Complexity is manageable, but the problem is, is we don't manage the fundamentals well. And this is not a you know pointing fingers kind of exercise. We're all perfectly guilty of this. And this is something that we can collectively get better at because far too many data breaches happen as a result of, you know, a patch wasn't applied or a system was misconfigured um, because most attackers are not going to spend a zero day to get into a system when they can just mount the system remotely. On this topic, you recently published an article on CSO Online that was aptly titled Fail to Patch and Wait for the Pain. Uh, (laughs) Five years ago, would you have suspected that such an article would still have a place, still be necessary at this point in time? I was hopeful back then that that wouldn't be necessary, but uh, you know, I, I, I carried the title security curmudgeon on a, on a former job for four years on my business card uh, before anybody actually noticed. And I came by that title uh, fairly honestly because a lot of these security issues are ones that we just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's human nature to go, ooh, shiny, and chase after the things that are more interesting as opposed to dealing with the fundamentals well. Um, logging is a perfect example. Nobody actually enjoys doing logging. Uh, yes, of course, there's outliers out there. 
But this is something that's very, you know, it's a core piece of the puzzle. Your machines are all screaming at you. They have things to tell you. If you're not listening to them, you're really going to run afoul of it. So you've just touched on this briefly, talking about the pursuit of something shiny versus the fundamentals. But I'm curious to hear your perspective on why patching and some of these other real fundamentals are consistently still mismanaged. Could you speak a little bit more about the tenacity of this patching problem and what you think could be causing it? Well, see, the thing is, there are tools out there, and I'm not going to name any of them because that's not why I'm here, but there are tools out there that can help you manage your patch management and or, or you know, execute on your patch management. And these are things that really, you know, the, the tools and the abilities are there. We need the processes to follow. We need to execute on them. But the thing is, patching is not something that is, by and large, enjoyable. And this is one of those things is, as humans, we want to have some sort of level of enjoyment. And if we flip that problem on its head and look at it from the perspective of, we have the enjoyment of protecting our environment. Uh, yes, I know that's kind of weak, but it, it really is something that we need to do a better job of. And by and large, people that are responsible for patching as they move forward in their career, that piece of their, you know, their portfolio, for want of a better term, ends up passing down to the next junior person in the line. Whoever that happens to be, then we'll pass it on to whoever comes up behind them. And it really tends to be something that is shunted to the wayside. And this is, you know, as a result, the problem just keeps growing. Understandable. Uh, technical debt, passing the buck, a lot of themes that we see consistently in the security space. Well, and it's not just security space. This applies across the board when, regard, when you look at IT in general. Absolutely. So this speaks to a larger theme that we see here. Uh, you've referred to this as solvable problems, things like SQL injection, poor patching, or poor asset management. Um, and we've kind of touched on it. Do you think the solutions for patching would be the same ones that we'd see for these other solvable security problems? Well, one of the things that drives me crazy is not so much that, you know, there are tools available for the various different functions. The problem is, is we don't have the core competencies in that we don't look at the processes, the standards, the guidelines, documentation that should exist in every environment on how you're going to do X, Y, and Z. Like SQL injection, if we are making sure we're sanitizing inputs and sanitizing outputs from our applications, this attack surface, by and large, goes away. Uh, is it 100%? No, but nothing in security is 100%, sadly. Patching, again, you have to have a proper regimen in place. It's sort of like I can build you a house but, and I, if I have a hammer, but if I don't have the plans to build that house, you're sort of stuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what you're identifying here are larger systemic problems, correct? Absolutely. And that's just it. Yes. Are there point solutions for X, Y, and Z? Of course there are. Are there point solutions to help people get a better handle on dealing with you know, the, the flow, the processes internally? Not so much because this requires people to actually do some heavy lifting, get some work done. And policies are not a, a one-size-fits-all. You have to have bespoke for your organization. If you're building teddy bears or if you're building centrifuges, your, your, you know, your threat modeling is different. Understandable. So is there a maturity model here? Are you seeing signs that perhaps the industry as a whole is moving forward in terms of maturity? Or are we still stuck in the same rut? Well, see, this is where it gets kind of interesting. We look at things like IoT and, you know, the ever-present banner of, hey, we must innovate. Well, that's all fantastic, all well and good, and I'm very much in favor of new shiny, but we got to make sure that we're moving ahead properly. Um, if you ever tried to build an airplane that's already in flight, hmm. this is what really is the image that is evoked when I think about these things, when people say, oh, we have to innovate, but you don't even patch your systems properly and the attackers can just slide in and just destroy everything. Um, obviously, I'm a little bit over the top on that comment, but you, it drives home the idea that 
if we're not taking care of the fundamentals, the innovation is really moot because the attackers can take all of your intellectual property and walk out the door. That's interesting, though. Innovation is something that drives businesses forward. And I think where people are really struggling is to find that balance. And that's just it. We are so far skewed in one direction that balance really isn't achievable at this present juncture. Can we get there? Absolutely. But it requires all of us you know, rolling up our sleeves and getting to it. Um, but there really isn't the interest to do so collectively. I mean, yes, again, outliers, but this is not something that is receiving mass adoption at this point. It is, but you know what? I think ultimately something will necessitate it. We'll see something that will be of an order of magnitude that causes everybody to pay attention. And typically that's what happens. We'll see some major news story break of, you know, company X was breached because of Y and things to that effect that caused people to pay attention. Um, and I think we are heading towards an event horizon that, you know, wraps us around that sort of axle. And I, I, I hope that doesn't come to that, but I'm afraid that being humans, we need that impetus in order to get things done. I think we've seen that in other verticals. Oh, yes, absolutely. And within our vertical, like we're looking at a fairly immature vertical when you look at it against other things out there, healthcare, all the rest of it, you know, come um, not companies, but organizational structures that have been there for centuries in some cases. Absolutely. You've also been talking a bit more recently about uh, IoT security, and that's sort of on the innovation realm, and we're seeing more and more connectivity <laughs> of these devices. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're seeing in that space? Well, IoT has really devolved into the new bacon. Um, it's basically <laughs> any, any device that you can get your hands on and slap an internet connection to, it is now IoT. I have seen things with just I couldn't get my head around. I've seen kettles. I've seen toasters. I've seen toothbrushes that had internet connectivity. Here's a question for you. If you have a device that has an internet connection, and if you pull that internet connection, does your device stop working? These are the things that I worry about because we're getting so bogged down in the, you know, the, the crush to be an IoT device that we're really, again, bypassing fundamentals. Like I've seen devices that are out on the Internet that are using deprecated libraries, um, you know, in some cases reintroducing Heartbleed. And this is really kind of abjectly silly when it was a problem that we tackled a few years ago only to see it reemerge in IoT devices that are online. Or conversely, with the Mirai botnet, we saw default usernames and passwords. Programmatically, there's no good reason for that. That is an easily fixed problem. So talking about event horizon here, uh, speaking with this, do you personally think that we're going to see consumers start to drive um, IoT security features? There's been some overlaps with this that we're seeing in the media where people are starting to become slightly more aware. In this particular case, I think that or I'm hopeful that consumers will vote with their dollars because that is their power. That is their ability to affect change in that particular space when you're dealing with consumer-grade devices. Are they going to ask for more security? Um, until it personally affects them, so in the case of a massive data breach, I don't believe that we'll see that particular drive. Yes, people want to be secure, but I don't think that they inherently um, think that through. I, you know, I think they're more interested in, oh, I want the you know device that makes my lights change from blue to pink, um, as opposed to, oh, can this device be compromised and somebody gets my Wi-Fi password? Yeah, I think there's certainly an education problem there. I know I've seen a lot of people discuss, oh, I want these cameras. I can see them on the phone. And uh, the first thing I know I respond with is oh, no, you can see them on your phone. And I don't think that there's a real sense of consequences there. Is that something you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. I have seen a friend of mine, he got a baby monitor, which the device will never remain nameless, 
from for when their child was born. And they, he, of course, being who he was, he took it apart and looked at all the different things. And he found, and I think it was no less than 12 security issues with it. One of which is that anybody could remotely access this thing and see the video stream. And this is not unique to one particular mm-hmm. device. This pops up far too often. Because we run into the time to market issue, a lot of times we see manufacturers that are throwing these devices out to the consumers because they want, you know, want to be first to market. They want to beat the competition. And, you know, there's no shortage of competition. Um, you know, Cisco and Gartner are both saying by 2020, we're going to see, you know, between 30 to 50 billion devices online. And as a result, everybody wants to get on, on the IoT gold rush. And as a result, security often gets bypassed because security is often seen as an impediment as opposed Mm. to uh, an insurance policy. Well, that's sobering on a number of fronts. (laughs) Dave, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate having you on the podcast. My pleasure. I'm glad I could be here. Thank you for listening. You can reach Dave on Twitter at Gattaca. If you like the show, remember to subscribe to the O'Reilly Security Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. <laughs>